Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode from the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 7, Episode 8, The Things We Do for Love. Mary, what happened this week? Tracy feels rejected by Brandon since he can't make up his mind about whether he wants to date her. So she decides to quit the news. But for her last broadcast, Brandon joins her on camera to talk about how kids today define their political beliefs. They do a great job, and Tracy decides not to quit. I'm a little unclear about whether Brandon just got himself roped into being her co-anchor, though. Oh, interesting question. I mean, it would not surprise me that from now on, Brandon just wears like seven hats. I feel like that's what he does anyway. You know, yeah. like at the blaze, he wasn't just the sports reporter. You know, he was also the investigative journalist. And then and then the he Condor, became the editor. Yes, exactly. And then at the Condor, like he was just kind of doing a little bit of everything. So. Yeah, he's he's much like how he is on the show. He will be in it and produce it and sometimes yeah. direct it. That's true. It's a good point. So I did notice that this episode aired on November 6, 1996, which I think would have been like right before the presidential election that mm. year, maybe. Yeah, definitely I should have looked that up. It. That would have. Hold on. Oh, the election happened the day before. Wow. The day before this episode aired? Yeah, it aired. It The episode aired on November 6th. The 1996 presidential election happened on November 5th. Yeah, because this was a big one, right? This was when Clinton won mm -hmm. for... Um, this was his second term, which I think was like right yeah. after he was impeached or not that's impeached. Right, that's right. But so it makes sense to me that Brandon would have had this whole like, we have to do this investigative journalism over how students define themselves politically. And, you know, it's a spectrum now and it's not just... Republican and Democrat like mm -hmm. I totally get it and I kind of love how meta it is that Mark and Tracy are like oh my god you should run things <laughs> well and like yeah like Brandon's whole well maybe I will run one day but that's not the point because you I'm doing this and I'm doing that and you're not helping at all <laughs> I just really wish he had been like I was president two years ago and then impeached or whatever he was, you know, it's like he clearly he wants to do more than just school politics, but, you know, he can't even do that. So poor guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they come up with this whole thing that they're going to do a big political moment of it and he has to be on TV for it. And I think the next time we see them is when they're watching the videos where, like, yeah. they have student testimonials of what they think about politics. Mm-hmm. And Brandon keeps talking back to the videos. <laughs> like, the one girl that's like, I can wear whatever I want. And that includes belts, except for seat belts. Yeah. And he, what does he say? It's something very, he's, like, demeaning. He's like, sweetie, we're not tr – we're trying to keep you safe, not make a – statement on your wardrobe or like something like that yeah which is actually really funny because when seatbelts were invented everyone was just like why do I have to wear this I mean 
Color me shocked that the American public doesn't want the government to interfere with their literal safety, but yet wants the government to control every aspect of their body. Like, it doesn't make sense. My favorite was the guy before her just being like, well, the government lets women wear whatever they want and be attractive, and I don't like that, so I guess I'm a liberal. <laughs> I know. He was like, they raise their arms, and then their midriff show. It's like, And Brandon's like, yeah, that's called asking a question, sir. <laughs> but it's funny because Tracy says they shouldn't editorialize, which is mm-hmm. what he literally said last episode. He was like, keep the – uh complaints out of it or whatever when she complained about trash pickup which is yeah super interesting to that point and you can tell it's almost like a defense mechanism because even tracy then says she's undecided on which you know side of the fence that she's on and then you know so clearly she does it's like she feels comfortable in certain spaces like almost kind of global things to agree upon, right? Like trash pickup. Yeah, you should pick up your trash. Like, I don't think anybody would argue that necessarily, unless you're just a person who likes to argue. But in political matters, she probably isn't uncomfortable or is uncomfortable speaking her mind and kind of picking and choosing and and defining where she's at. So yeah, she doesn't want to comment on it. But Brandon makes a good point. He's like, well, yeah, that keeps you fair and keeps you in the middle but at the same time, it also keeps you from taking action when you do believe in something, um, which I think has, even today, has been a really big thing. And the whole, like, go out and vote, you know, and making a decision on where you fall so that way things can actually change. So, yeah, this argument from 1996 still really fits into today. Yes. And you know, at the risk of being somewhere in the middle, which Brandon hates, I think they both have fair arguments, right? Like, I think Tracy is a much more modern view on politics, whereas Brandon is like, well, you have to pick a party. Yeah, exactly. It's like party lines versus um, issue voting. Yeah. I mean, they kind of work really well together. Like, you can see them with the back and forth and, like, I'm still not ready for Tracy, but a Apparently, Brandon isn't either. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, yeah, I think the next time we see them is when they're having this discussion where Brandon had just walked her back to her dorm or wherever. And she, like, finally is making a decision, you know, because last week we saw her very, like, indecisive. And she's like, well, why don't you come on in? He declines. And she's doing everything she can to be like, well, what about later? And he's like, well, I got to study or something. And she's like, well, how about after that? Or like, whatever. And then I think she even makes a comment about like, well, you wanted someone who was like committed and, and like making dis- able to make a decision. But he keeps making excuses not to be with her. Which is interesting. Yeah, because he, he finally says, if we sleep together, it's going to mean something. And I'm not looking for a serious thing right now. Which I guess we've seen before. I mean, he didn't even try. Like, he wasn't originally intending to ask Tracy out last episode. And then they ended up just, like, on a date together afterwards. So, I yeah, I guess this keeps going back to the whole, like, he and Kelly are in the same book. And, like, maybe even almost in the same chapter, but they're not on the same page 
and like <laughs> Kelly is dating Brandon Light and Brandon is just not dating. Yeah, and I think that like also kind of matches up with his character because even when he has done something casual, it doesn't he usually ends up wanting more anyway. Like think about the Lucinda stuff, even that, which mm-hmm. nothing serious was ever going to come from that, but even during that, he found himself just dating her and her alone. So I would say that Brandon's a serial monogamist and also he doesn't really like to casually date. So if he that's his point, like he's like, you know, I'm not looking for anything serious, but then tells her that he doesn't think that she's looking for anything casual, which I think is more a projection than anything else, because maybe she is. He doesn't know, but I don't think he is either. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that, like, after having this conversation, I guess they have, like, another day of working on the set. And then Tracy is like, yeah, you know, I left after the broadcast, but I came back because I had to tell you, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed about what happened and I can't – I'm uncomfortable working with you, which is fair. I can't fault her for this. I just appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Like the fact that they're just kind of like cards on the table. Like there's some weird up in the air with the whole Brandon sort of asking her but not intending to ask her to the Halloween party last week. Now it's very much like, okay, no, this is where I stand. This is where you stand. And this is just what it is. Yeah. And she has been vulnerable this whole time. I mean, when they Mm -hmm. ran into each other at the Peach Pit last week and she was like, I want someone to ask me out for me. Mm -hmm. And then he does ask her out. And then she keeps like trying to invite him in. Like, I totally get her being like, I'm embarrassed and I can't do this. Right. Agreed. And yeah. So why is Brandon's answer to this to show up? To be on set on camera without pants on? I mean, he pretty much just says, like, he he doesn't want her to be the only embarrassed anchor person on the broadcast. But I'm like, emotional embarrassment versus, like, I guess you could call it physical embarrassment. Two totally different things. So it kind of missed me a little. I thought it was a good comedic moment for Brandon, and I did laugh. It just didn't really match up. Same. And, like, he's clearly not embarrassed by what he's doing. Correct. That's what like, gets who is me. who this actually embarrassing for? Yeah. There is a big difference between this and then, like, doing this to make her feel more comfortable and then standing up during the broadcast accidentally and revealing that he's not wearing any pants. Like, yes, that's an embarrassing moment. This is just, like... I'm just going to show up in shorts. Right. Like, it's a goof more than an embarrassment. Like, yeah. I mean, it was funny, and you could tell it was used to, like, lighten the mood. So I'm I'm cool with what happened. I just don't think it's the same type of embarrassment. Same. Yeah. I think it worked as, like, a way to break the tension between them Mm -hmm. and – at least that's like a little bit in the right direction. So I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any intention was bad. It no, was just kind I, of weird. <laughs> that's exactly it. And, you know, to be fair, it gave us the amazing quote, I'm Brandon Walsh and I'm not wearing any pants. And I de-pantsed myself in honor of our last broadcast together. Like so many good lines there. 
God, Brandon is pretty witty and available, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But and I mean it works because Tracy mm-hmm. ends the broadcast with see you next week. And Brandon's just like, oh, see you next week. Yeah. And I can appreciate because this also kind of is um, you know, a little analogy to the whole political conversation that they had been having. I appreciate that Tracy is open to having her mind changed and then admits that her mind has changed. You know, like I I think pride wise, she could have easily been like, no, I'm going to stick to my guns here. Like, you know, or she could have genuinely felt like that's funny, but not enough to make me suddenly comfortable working with you after you've rejected me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do appreciate like, if this is really how she feels, she's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. This was funny. You know, I, I've changed my mind on the subject, so yeah, I'll see you next week. And plus, who could resist you in these shorts? <laughs> That's my favorite part is that she's like, I just can't resist working with someone in shorts like those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, there, there's still a little flirt in there, and she knows Oh, for it. sure. For sure. And to a certain, certain degree, like, she kind of holds the power now. Like, I know we, like, it's kind of silly, but in life, in relationships, there's someone – Typically, the person with the least amount of feelings has the most power. That's just kind of how it's always been, right or wrong. Um, But in this regard, it was kind of a little bit of Tracy being able to take some of that power back because Brandon knows that she likes him. And let's be real. I think Brandon likes her. He just doesn't want to be in a relationship right now. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that Tracy, like all cards are on the table, but now she feels comfortable enough to like still sort of flirt, I think gives her a little bit more power back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it was a weird little storyline, but I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was fine. And I I think they did it specifically because the presidential election was that week and mm-hmm. Brandon Walsh would do this thing. And I don't know. I'm, I like Tracy. I'm still new. I'm yeah. not ready for an emotional relationship, much like Brandon. It's, it's almost like they knew. They were like, no one is going to be ready for this. After last season. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate them not having him immediately jump into a new relationship. Yeah, I think they want to be very careful with Brandon to, like, still make him who he is. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. Yep. All right, Mary. What else happened this week? Kenny puts a hold on Val's $100,000 check until she gets her air quotes abortion. Steve overhears Val talking about it on the phone and literally cannot keep the information to himself. Kelly cannot believe Val would think of going through something like this on her own and vows to be there for her. But Val, being Val, tangles herself up in a web of her own lies that are becoming impossible for her temporary abortion friend not to see through. I mean, we all knew this was going to blow up in her face at some point. And to be honest, it still hasn't really. Right? Like, I almost feel like there is the slightest chance she can dig herself out of this. Yep. But the whole time, every time she would tell a lie, I was like, just change it. Mm-hmm. Like, I had multiple scenarios running through my head of how this could have been the way that Val and Kelly become friends because Val has somehow accidentally unintentionally tricked Kelly into being her friend. 
Yeah, same. I was like, was this a long con the entire time to, like, get a friendship with Kelly? And I'm like, no, no, no. Val genuinely hates Kelly. Like, <laughs> there's been genuine, genuine hatred for this whole time. But, like, imagine a fake pregnancy followed by a fake abortion saves your business and gets you a new best friend. I mean, it's a great idea in theory. <laughs> For television, very clearly. For television, For television. Yes. yes. Yes, yes, But well, yeah, so like whenever Kenny's on the – or sorry, Val is on the phone with Kenny, I was very surprised that Kenny was smart enough to put a hold on the money. Because, like, obviously Val was immediately going to cash that thing and get her money and then basically disappear, right? Mm -hmm. But he decides to put a, a, a hold on it until he get, she gets the abortion. But in my mind, I would like to know what proof Kenny needs. Like, I like a medical bill? Yeah, like, he keeps saying he won't give her the money until she handles the problem and – at some point in this conversation, she says, like, no, I didn't have it yet. But why not just be like, yes, I had it over the weekend. It's done. Take the mm -hmm. hold on. Like, I I feel like there's so many open plot holes. And, like, we need this story to happen so that it can all fall apart for Val. But if she wouldn't insist on everyone saying the words pregnant and abortion out loud, none of this would have happened. Yeah. And – Again, I'm like, if Kenny is looking for some sort of proof, A, that would technically be a HIPAA violation for Val to share any sort of medical document with him, even if it's like, I guess, technically his theoretical child, it's still Val's body. So well, I guess like this is where some lines are blurred. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I mean... He's also having her sign an NDA about their affair and a pregnancy that doesn't exist that he's making her get an abortion for for $100,000. So, like, it's one of those things where, like, the crime is tax evasion for money laundering versus the money laundering itself. Mm, yeah. Like. Yeah. And also, does he sign the NDA, too? Who Who's policing that? Too many loopholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear, what if Val just got a doctor's note saying that she's not pregnant and then just make the doctor add the word anymore? <laughs> <laughs> anymore. I mean, but like for all intents and purposes, could she go to the library and make, I don't know how advanced word processing is now? Because again... Like, I'm thinking of the receipt here. Like, what what sort of documentation is Kenny expecting to have proof of? And so, could Valerie go to the library and on her little MS-DOS or whatever is popular right now in the computing world, make a fake medical document that, yeah, says not pregnant or like anymore? <laughs> Yeah, doctor's handwriting is, you know, notoriously hard to read. So just, like, yeah. write some stuff on a piece of paper with a fake letterhead and be like, here you go. Or Go back to that hospital or guy, uh, GYN office that you were buddy-buddy with those ladies at and just steal 
steal a prescription pad or something. Get a pregnancy – like, say, like, oh, yeah, I had it. I'll go next week and, like, just get a pregnancy test at the doctor. Like, yeah. So many different options. Meanwhile, she's like, say it out loud. Say abortion. Mm -hmm. And then Steve is just like, what? This loud conversation with the door open right here? What? At least he admitted that he was listening. Like, that's the only saving grace is that, like, Val turns around and is like, were you listening? He was like, yeah. <laughs> At least he wasn't like, oh, no. And just, you know, that would spiral. But he's like, yeah, I was. I just got home. I okay. I love that Steve is the one that overheard because, like, the second you know it's going to blow up in her face. A hundred percent. And she tries to, like, not make it happen. Like, Steve asks if she's pregnant. She doesn't say yes or no. She's just like, you can't tell anyone. Knowing, knowing Steve's going to tell the next person he sees. Yeah. But apparently she very specifically means don't tell Brandon. Which, understandable, because, mm -hmm. like, Brandon's already made his thoughts perfectly clear about her relationship with Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> she tries to make Steve promise he won't tell anyone, and then literally the next time we see Steve is when he goes and sits down and tells Kelly, he's like, well, I'm not pregnant. And she's like, oh, my God, Claire is pregnant? He's like, no, no, yeah. no. But somebody else is pregnant. And... She doesn't want me to tell anybody else, and that's a very specific person, but, like, he ought to know. And Kelly immediately is just like, oh, Valerie's pregnant, and she doesn't want you to tell Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Like, first of all, think of all the women that Steve knows. <laughs> and who it would matter that he knows that they're pregnant, right? Like, Donna sure as hell is not. Yeah. Because she's never had sex, you know? Like, Kelly, you're talking to Kelly. She didn't tell you <laughs> that she was pregnant. So that leaves Claire and Valerie. And then he says very specifically, it's not Claire, therefore. <laughs> yeah. But, like, absolutely ridiculous. And Steve knows Valerie and Kelly's relationship. So the fact that the first person that he runs into is the person he tells and it's Kelly, like, yeah, I know Val is in no position to be, like, all high and mighty here, but mm -hmm. I would be pissed. Oh, me too. I mean, and the fact that Steve, again, makes it all about himself, and he's like, oh, I just, I need to tell somebody. I need to tell somebody. Like, no, dude. Like, have some sort of, like, mental fortitude and sense of loyalty to your so-called friend to keep your mouth shut. It ain't your business. It wasn't your business in the first place, and it is nobody else's business. Yeah, I mean, there could have been some other way that he could have found to support Val and, like, talk to a woman Mm -hmm. To know how to support her without just going to Kelly and being like, I have to tell someone I can't keep this secret. And I will say, I do love that despite the fact that Kelly hates Val with every like inch of her body, it's just like no one should have to go through this alone. I'm going to go talk to her. Like still a weird invasion of privacy that you just know she's pregnant. Yep. And I love when she goes to tell her, she's like, I just guessed. You couldn't have. She's not pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how you know Valerie is the best liar of the bunch. Because the remaining are just like, I guessed. Based on what, Kelly? You haven't been in the same room with her in, like, 
might as well be years at this point. <laughs> it really, like, I can't remember the last time they had a conversation. I know. It might have been when Val was dating Colin. Actually, no. It was when they were at the beach club and Kelly walks by. Yeah. And Val. And that's, like, that's how we get the connection of Kelly knowing Kenny. But that was more than maybe six weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. And it, it gets weird because then Kelly says that Kenny hit on her when she used to babysit Michael, which is so gross because Very gross. Kelly was realistically underage at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, at least Val is oh, of a consenting age. Yeah. And then – Again, like she demands, she's like, I'm going to go to the appointment with you because you shouldn't have to go alone. Like I went with my mom to get hers. Like I, I can do this for you. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate it. I mean, they're totally trying to make Kelly the hero mm-hmm. in this. And so, you know, it, it treads really like, you know, lightly on that line of letting Kelly be the hero and Val, Val be the villain. But it also, I, I do appreciate that Kelly the entire time does caveat everything by saying, even if it's me or even if it's you or she, you know, whatever. Because that almost then legitimizes the fact that Kelly's reaching out to help. And I do appreciate that she was just like, doesn't matter. Nobody should go through this alone. I don't care who it is that this person needs a friend. So, you know, I. I'm glad they didn't just make it so that Kelly could be the hero. It's more that no Kelly like recognizes the severity of the and and the the you know I guess the vulnerability that someone would need to have to ask for help in the first place, like whatever the case may be. So yeah, I'm just I'm just glad that they didn't go so far as to be like Kelly being a little bit manipulative here and be like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna help her because then like I'm the better person. It was truly all about Val. Yeah, and every time they had these conversations, I was like, okay, you keep saying like, yeah, even if it's you, no one should have to go through this alone. But I was like, somehow, if Val could find a way to like get taken to the clinic, but then like dropped off outside and make Kelly like leave and come back because they're just Mm -hmm. not that close, but she appreciates the ride or like, I'll call you when it's over, Mm -hmm. like it was so close to being a way to like accidentally become best friends. Yeah, totally. Have this bonding moment. But that would have been so skeezy and wrong. So like I get why they didn't do it and I'm not mad about it. But every every time they talked, I was like, is this it? Is this Val and Kelly becoming best friends? I mean, and let's be real. Like to your point, that's not what this show is. This show is high drama, not warm and fuzzy. Yeah has warm and fuzzy moments, but it is not like, let's wrap up every single episode and every episode has a moral to the story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they've had this moment where Kelly insists on being with Val and then Val is like, she calls her the next day and says, Kenny is going to take her. He called, he cleared his whole schedule. They're going to get closure, which is the most unbelievable lie. Yeah. Like, yeah. She even admits it. She's like, yeah, I know I was all doom and gloom, but he's really stepping up for me. It's fine. Until Kelly runs into Kenny at a restaurant over lunch. Like, I felt bad because I really thought we were going to get something with Linda about, like, Kelly's future. And then Kenny shows up and it just, nope. Yeah, it's just device. But 
like you see Kelly being like something's very wrong here and like the wheels start turning in her head to be like okay something's wrong like yep I I put myself out there I tried to do something nice for Val and she's clearly lying about what's happening yeah now I'm sus let's go figure out if I'm right or not and being who she is goes to the Walsh house to catch Val in her lie yep she like picked up magazines she runs into Steve asking how Valerie's doing to see if she can get some insider info before she walks in like Anyway, she goes upstairs and Valerie, to her credit, is acting, you know, like she's recovering, um, Mm -hmm. that she's needing rest. And but then she says that Kenny was by her side the entire day. So this is rife for the picking for Kelly to call her out and say, well, I saw him at lunch. And to Kelly's credit, like she she is straight up like, well, I saw him at lunch. Like, I I know that's not true. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well. I ended up going by myself to get it done but I was embarrassed about the fact that Kenny bailed so I didn't call you which is definitely a lie you come up with in the moment like yes it's not that good it's not bad but it's not that good literally she could have said like her appointment was in between the phone call with Kelly and the lunch that Kenny had or just Kelly, I really didn't want you there because you fucking hate me. That's what I was thinking is like, no, I went on my own and then done. Yeah. Like nobody actually cares about me in this place. Like you keep saying that you do, but history has proven otherwise. So I went by myself. Yep. That's it. But instead she, yeah, builds another lie. So like the web is getting bigger and like flimsier because it's getting too big and she's not going to be able to keep track of it all. Not to mention that Kenny is ignoring her phone calls and she doesn't know his schedule. So she can't predict when people run into him around town. Exactly. But Kelly goes downstairs and kind of plants the seed in Steve's head now that something is up. And Steve is Mm -hmm. like, just cut her some slack, leave her alone. But we find out later, like, no, he like that really did get planted. Yeah, for sure, because then, you know, it's, I guess, the next morning or something, and it's a it's almost time for Brandon's broadcast at the TV station, and so Val and Steve are just talking about that for a second, but then this gives Steve the opportunity to be like, you know, hey, well, like, how are you feeling? Like, what's your recovery time look like? Did you get any medicine? Did you fill the prescription? Do I need to, like, he puts it under the guise of, like, he's trying to help her and make sure that she's, like, recovering and resting properly. Mm -hmm. But she starts to kind of, like, answer his questions, but you can tell he's a little sus, too. And then Val accuses him of sounding like Kelly. Yeah. And I feel bad, but the next time when they're at Brandon's, uh taping and steve pulls kelly out into the hallway and starts like you know laying evidence down i was like i don't think steve is the smart no because i don't either he specifically says that like the things that val says don't don't match up like she says she was so doped up that she couldn't fill her prescriptions but she drove herself home and you know would they have let her do that like (laughs) i I feel bad. I don't think Steve is this smart. I don't think he could have actually pieced this together. 
this fast. Well, I do think what could have happened instead of Steve being the one to figure out, Steve could have told Kelly what she said and then Kelly be like, well, wait, if she was so drugged out, why would she drive home? You know, like, yeah, some, that would have been a little bit more believable. Yeah. But instead, he has figured it out. And now he's like, I'm wondering if she went through the abortion. And Kelly says, I wonder if she was even pregnant, which yep. totally fits because Steve would have like backtracked just to where the lies started because we all know she had the affair with Kenny. Like Correct. pregnancies can happen. Kelly's going all the way to being like, okay, she had an affair with Kenny and it blew up in her face. So she faked a pregnancy to get at him because that's the kind of person she is and that's what I think of her. Exactly. Perfect. I have like, aside from Steve figuring things out on his own, I have no notes to the conclusions that they came up with. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now that we have two more people involved in you know, this, this whole scenario. First, it was just Kelly, Kenny in the apartment. Now it's Kelly, Kenny, sorry. It was just Val, Kenny in the apartment. Now it's Val, Kenny, the apartment, Diane, Mm -hmm. Kelly, and Steve. So it's only a matter of time before Brandon's involved because he has to be like, he he has has to be, be. he's Brandon. (laughs) He is not not figuring this out either like she goes to the apartment he's like where else are you going you have nowhere else to go yeah right or steve and kelly tell him he finds the check he gets a call from the bank and takes a message or something like brandon's gonna find out very soon yep agreed mary what else happened this week steve in addition to all that he was doing a minute ago um, in his next increasingly futile effort to get back with Claire, challenges Dork Harrison to a crew race. Oh my god. This is the most rich white boy thing I have ever heard of. Like, this is literally Dawson and Pacey oh getting god. in a sailboat race when Dawson doesn't know how to sail a boat and almost okay. crashes multiple boats that he doesn't own. The regatta. I remember the regatta. But yeah. Like, my only positive note about this storyline is Claire is on the rowing team. (laughs) I was so happy. And I was like, and she's the coxswain. So, like, that's perfect for her that she gets to just sit there and tell everybody else what to do. Yeah, she's the mastermind, the strategist, and ultimately the motivator. Like, it is perfect for Claire. I love it so much. A hundred percent. And she's doing it with Dick Harrison and... His, like, fraternity, honor, society, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I love that Steve comes to the dock and just, like, follows her around. And she's like, no, what I like is that Dick does this every morning. Like, he has a training schedule and he sticks to it and he does things. And Steve is like, well, I can row. Like, that's not the point. Exactly. Could not be farther from the point. The point is here Steve is in Palm Springs. Like, this... Could not be more characteristic of Steve to hear everything Claire's saying about Dick being mature, committed, and knowing what he wants, and Steve being like, oh, you want a rower. That's what you want, and you want me to beat Dick at rowing. Yeah. That's what you want. He's so dumb. This is why he cannot have figured out the other thing. His brain is too full of buying a rowboat. (laughs) And roping his keg brothers into doing this with him. 
oh, that was my favorite part when he was like, well, yeah, maybe Keg will get into rowing. And they were just like, they don't row. Yeah. They don't know how. They don't do it. They've never done it. They've maybe kayaked before, but certainly not rowed. Well, and like the act of rowing is a really like it's a different workout than anything else. You can't just force people in it and expect them to be good. Case in yeah. point, when they get into the boat completely straight legged and just fall over. Yeah, they're standing up like, you know, full height and immediately fall. Like one guy tries again, get in, two guys immediately fall out. Like, yeah. <laughs> This is not going to go well. And even Dick and the crew team come by and like laugh at them and poke fun. But then Steve is like, well, now that you've seen us at our worst, I challenge you, sir. And Dick makes a hilarious comment that's like, I'm trying to graduate this May, you know, like to give them a quote unquote enough time to get good at rowing enough to be good enough to like mildly compete with them. But no, Steve's like, week from today, we'll be ready. And of course, Claire hates this because of course... Steve sees no problem with this, can, commits to the fact that he's going to just do this pissing contest with Dick and lose miserably, not just the race, but also Claire forever. Yeah. And like, okay. So my biggest complaint in this story, aside from Steve not letting it go because it's really boring to me at this point, like it's just mm -hmm. frustrating, is that Donna is like in hopeless romantic mode and keeps telling Claire that she should be flattered that Steve is stalking her. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, like, it's – obviously you don't get over feelings of love and infatuation with a person that quickly, obviously. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should stay with them or go back with them or whatever if – the whole point of the relationship was not that they broke up because they don't love each other, but that they broke up because Steve continues to miss the point, continues to mess up, and not see consequences for his actions nor learn from them. Yeah. Donna makes a comment in that conversation, like Claire calls her a hopeless romantic or something, mm -hmm. and Donna says, you know, oh, I've seen you act this way too when you've been with Steve. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, like you said. You can have those romantic feelings, but you also saw Claire in a lot of pain mm -hmm. when she was with Steve. And why would you ever wish that on her? Exactly. Like that – it's obviously like Donna looking through rose-colored glasses because of how she feels with things with Cliff right now. Which we will get to when we get to because I want to see Claire and Donna's conversation tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. But I hated it. I hated that Donna was pushing Steve and Claire back together and I really appreciate that, like, I think it's maybe the last scene that we see with Claire and Steve where Claire goes to see Steve with his boat and mm -hmm. she's just like, I can't miss you because you've been following me for weeks. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She says she's happy with Dick Harrison. She doesn't think she loves Steve anymore and that Steve's wasting his time by doing all of this. Yeah, I just really appreciate that what Donna said didn't sway Claire and like totally. force her back into a relationship that she didn't want to be in because she 100%. thinks that she should. A hundred percent. And even Steve is like, well, Claire, I've changed. Let me prove to you how I've changed. I'm like, literally doing this race proves you haven't changed at all. Like, this is literally classic old Steve. Yeah. 
You have not changed. You've literally never changed. You are the same Steve that we saw in season one, episode one of 90210. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I I don't know what's going to happen. I kind of really hope we see this crew race, but <laughs> it's so silly. I'm just checking my notes to make sure there was nothing else about the That's two all of them. I had. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Well, Mary, what else happened this week? Donna likes Cliff enough to do things she doesn't like with him, like hiking. But then he tells her he's leaving to go work on an oil rig in Louisiana and won't be back until question mark. He didn't want to tell her he was going because he was afraid she wouldn't want to spend time getting to know him, but they can make the best of the time they have left by kissing. <laughs> okay, she says hiking? They are hiking in to camp overnight. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Like, literally hiking plus camping plus two very small packs on their back. <laughs> That's what was confusing me. They start hiking. First of all, they're in jeans. I said that too. I was like, they, Cliff and Donna are hiking in jeans. <laughs> you know they both have athleisure. Mm-hmm. Like, we have seen Donna in leggings. I promise you that. Definitely. But then, yeah, they have those little backpacks on. And it was like, okay, they're clearly, like, backpacking backpacks, but they're light. So, like... You know, he mentions dinner and was like, oh, he's surprising her with dinner while they're hiking. That's really cute. All that's in those backpacks is dinner materials. Mm -hmm. And then it keeps going where we find out they're camping overnight and <laughs> all they have is in those tiny bags. But it's okay. Cliff grew up in Hell's Kitchen, so he knows what the outdoors are like. <laughs> Every time she's like, you learned about the outdoors in Central Park? <laughs> And she's like, oh, wait, well, no, I had a mentor that was at Central Park a lot that I really enjoyed, and he told me how to camp. <laughs> that conversation took so many turns just to get to where they were yeah. going. She's like, where'd you learn this? I grew up in Hell's Kitchen. You went camping in Hell's Kitchen? No, I went to school on the upper, <laughs> you know, upside. Oh, so you learned over there. No, I had to walk through Central Park. You learned camping in Central Park? No, I met somebody in Central Park who got me to join the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> Also, he was in the Navy? Yeah, he was in the Navy. Like, don't get me wrong. I really like Cliff, and I think that they could be a good pair. It was just, like, wild twists and turns that just didn't need to happen. All for I, them to just kiss, and then the next day, Cliff bring her a cute little stuffed deer and be like, well, no, I gotta go. Sorry. That's the thing. I liked Cliff up until the next scene where he's like, oh, by the way... I'm moving to Louisiana tomorrow and not it's just like offshore work. You can't just yeah. call people when you're offshore. Yeah, exactly. This was like a classic, almost like Barney Stinson and how I met your mother. <laughs> when he was specifically was like, yeah, I'm leaving for the Peace Corps tomorrow. It'll be two years. Like this felt, even though I have no Playboy vibes from Cliff, I still was like, oh my God, is he just... He's going to be sorely disappointed when she will not sleep with him. <laughs> and then he makes the comment of like, yeah, I thought if I told you I was leaving, you wouldn't want to get to know me. I was right, wasn't I? I was like, sir, go F yourself. Like, <laughs> I liked you up until this moment, and this is mean. He's been lying to her this entire time just so they could spend time together because she's an amazing woman. 
And she's she is. He's right about that. But you don't just go offshore in Louisiana. Like, this is not how this works. I think I finally figured the figured out the answer to my question that I asked last week about like why all these dudes and and you know not why not them and then why David. David Silver stays. That's a good point. Ray Pruitt left her to go be a musician. I'm not faulting any of these guys for leaving because it's their own stuff. But like Ray Pruitt left to go pursue his music dreams. Joe left to pursue his dreams of staying connected to football. And now Cliff is leaving for a job, which also still can't blame him because, you know, he's fully in his career. Like, that's just part of it. But David has been here (laughs) which is not a good enough reason to like be with him forever but you can't form a relationship with somebody that is just always gone (laughs) yeah and I mean to be fair I guess Ray wanted Donna to go with him which you know wouldn't have worked because he was an abuser abuser yes Joe asked her to go with him and ultimately get married Mm mm-hmm and yeah, Cliff probably had this plan months before he met Donna. Like he probably put it in his notice the day the fire started. That was two weeks yeah. ago. Or even like this is a opportunity that he can take while still maintaining his firefighting license. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could just be a firefighter. I don't think you yeah. need to like take CPEs. Well, but like. I don't know. I imagine you have to go through firefighting school or something, some sort of training akin to like a police academy type situation. But like, I imagine because firefighting is not a very high paying job, it probably isn't that far out of the realm for like firefighters to regularly take other jobs, like almost like contract work or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and this honestly might be like private firefighting because offshore work, you would think it's like oil drilling, which can lead to fires and you need to have fire safety on hands at all sure. times like this is probably a decent move for his career and then like Donna just showed up saving a baby deer and he was like he was well, I gotta get this yeah like who could blame him <laughs> and yeah I mean he does show up the next day with that little stuffed deer and it's got his address on the card and it's like will you write me and she's like of course I will Yeah, like, for all intents and purposes, like, he wasn't really that much of an asshole, except for the fact that he took her hiking and camping to, you know. He trapped her in the middle of the woods to tell her this. (laughs) Exactly. But at least he's, like, trying to keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Like, it's fine. It was just so funny to me that he got her into the middle of nowhere doing a thing she didn't want to do. And it's just like, by the way, I'm leaving tomorrow. Yep. All right, Mary. What else happened this week? David meets his family in Palm Springs to listen to the reading of Grandpa's Will. Seeing as how sad and aimless David has been, I kind of wish his inheritance was the deed to a farm in a sleepy little valley, but I guess $250,000 in Grandpa's car is the California version of that. Mel doesn't exactly trust David with the whole amount of his inheritance, so he talks with Grandpa's lawyer about setting up a trust. David copes with that by drinking and arguing with his dad. 
But after a heart-to-heart with Grandma, David understands Mel's side a little better, and they have a nice drive together in Grandpa's car about it. Mary, who would David romance in Stardew Valley? Oh, God. You can think about this. This is going to take a minute. Yeah, it will. (laughs) Okay. But, okay, so yeah, we really see David doing a heck of a lot of drinking lately. Like, literally the first scene when he, he kind of interrupts Brandon and Mark and Tracy talking about things Mm -hmm. and the three of them were supposed to go get dinner, but Brandon stays behind to talk to him. And he says like, oh, his dad is beating him up over not being there for his grandpa, which we never see, but like we don't see it continuing after his grandpa died. We saw his dad pushing him to go last week. Right. But like we can see he's in pain and then he goes to the liquor cabinet and just takes a shot of something like right before he's got to go to Palm Springs. So like he's clearly using alcohol to cope and like not being concerned about like safety and like mental health and awareness and things. Yes, 100%. I mean, he talks to Brandon a little bit, but like who else knows? You know, I mean, I know it just happened, but like typically he would lean on Kelly or lean on Donna and he just is leaning on alcohol instead. Yeah. And you have to think that the the gang knows. Like this mm-hmm. is not a group that wouldn't know. If Brandon knows, everybody else is going to know. Yeah, just because for sure. like he would call Kelly and make sure that she's aware or like Kelly mm-hmm. would know from her mom and mm-hmm. you know like the gang knows about this. It's just that yeah. David has isolated himself up in the hills in this other house with other, you know, life choices. It just so happens that Brandon works with his roommate. Right, exactly. And yeah, he gets $250,000 in a car and he is in shock at this reading. So is Mel. And also, fun fact, do you guys know what the attorney is from? No, I, I don't think it I... Imme- immediately and I just confirmed I'm right. Who is it? He, his name is David Ruprecht, and he is none other than the host of Supermarket Sweep. I thought that name sounded familiar as soon as you said it. <laughs> I like, oh could, you can only see his side profile pretty much the whole time, but I'm like, I know that voice. <laughs> and then like, once I saw the profile, I was like, is it? Sure enough, he is the host of Supermarket Sweep. Oh my gosh, I did I did not recognize him at all. Yep. I, I literally was like, in Palm Springs, the attorney, who looks suspiciously like the host of Supermarket Sweep, reads the will, and apparently David gets the Thunderbird in 250 grand. <laughs> I love it so much. So we find out that, like, Grandma says that she told Grandpa that David was on his way. So Grandpa never knew that David just wasn't there for him at the end mm-hmm. of his life, which... I think brings David a lot of peace. I think it doesn't like fully absolve him or like make him feel a hundred percent better. But I think there's like this tiny little bit because it's, it's grandma. Grandma's always going to make you feel a little bit better than your parents do. Oh yeah, for sure. And then Mel comes in, speaking of parents, (laughs) and is just like, hey, I came up with a perfect idea. I know you're a grown adult, 
but I'm going to take your money and I'm going to put it in a trust and I'm going to give it to you when I think it's necessary. Oof. This was not, I'll be honest, not a good look for Mel. No. Because, I mean, it's hard to say who's right in the storyline, David or Mel, because I think they both have right and wrong in, in their arguments. But, like, the fact that, like, this was Grandpa's decision. Like, this isn't Grandpa's decision for then Mel to interpret Mm -hmm. and then decide further. This was, like, literally Grandpa saying, I bequeath this thing and this amount of money to my grandson, David. Not to David via Mel. You know? Like, so, on this level, I was like, no, no, Mel, that's not correct. That would be... You may advise David on how he should invest his money and whatnot, but you don't just decide it and do it. Yeah. You can't just take it from him because, again, he's an adult. Yeah. And then on the other hand, like, I think everybody's wrong here. Like, David has a right to his money. Mel does not. So, like, Mel is already wrong here. But David's response to it is, so what? I'm not responsible. And then getting in the car and saying, I'm going to the nearest bar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mel saying he'll contest this and take it to court, like, on what grounds? Yeah. I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, this would be different if David was 16. But David is 20. He says he's 21 here, which I'm like, are you? But that's fine. (laughs) We're we're just going to hand wave, like, that skipped grade for a minute. Um, But, yeah, the fact that David is of age, this is, in fact, his legal right. So Mm -hmm. Mel doesn't really have a leg to stand on when it comes to contesting this in court. Yeah, this made no sense to me that Mel thinks that he can do this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, however much time passes, we cut to David at a bar where he's like downing shots. I mean, even his server is like, I'm bringing you coffee next time. Like you're not getting two tequila shots and a beer every time I come around. Exactly. And Mel comes to like and finds him after saying that he looked for him at three different bars before getting to this one. And I love I love David being like, oh, my God, three bars. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and then David even admits like he doesn't even actually care about the money so much. It's more the principle of the thing. Right. Like he doesn't actually care that he just got 250 grand and that Mel you know, is weirded out by it. He's more concerned with the fact that he doesn't seem to have any respect from Mel. And, like, I get that, but, like, I this could be an old-school opinion of mine, but I do believe that respect is earned, not mm-hmm. given freely. Um, and I don't really see many ways that David has really earned that respect. Maybe in pieces, but not let's think about it. David has been addicted to meth. He, you know, lost track of his baby sister. Yes, he has overcome that addiction and has become, you know, stronger for it, I suppose. But now look at him with trying to drop out of school because his career didn't go well, only accepting going back to school because his dad will pay for it. And now obviously has been having a dependency problem with alcohol. So, while I understand where David's coming from, I just don't think he necessarily deserves it at this point. Mm-hmm. And 
neither does Mel. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm not going to list everything with Mel because he's not a main character, and frankly, I probably don't remember it all. But Mel hasn't done anything recently to really earn respect. Like, I understand what he's doing. He's having to be a parent and, like, Mm -hmm. threatening to cut David off if he drops out of school. Or, like, I feel like he made similar demands when David was, like, working on overcoming his meth addiction. And Mel Mm -hmm. was like, we're going to get you out of all this, but you got to go to school. You got to go to therapy. You got to do the stuff. Right, right. Like, Mel is having to play parent here, and I totally get David being frustrated about it. And it's not earning him respect the way he's handling it. Because mm-hmm. David calls him out. He's, like, taking your kid to court over your father's will and testament. Like, that was his will. That's the name of it. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. And then Mel makes this comment of, like, I just lost my father. Don't make me lose my son or don't make me worry about losing my son, too. Which – like a little manipulative to be like, I just lost my father. Don't do this to me. Agreed. He's like, right. Like I get it, but yeah. Well, it it yes, I think it is right for Mel to be worried that he would be losing his son, and it yeah, that would be traumatic on top of mm-hmm. losing his dad. But that came off very guilt trippy. And, yeah. like, just shut up and give me what I want because I just lost my dad. Like, yeah. damn your feelings, you know? Um, I think it could have been said in a much better tact in order to, like, respect it, David's feelings. Maybe not mm-hmm. his actions, but his feelings and work it out between the two of them. Yeah. But instead, that's not what's happening. David's like, I'll take a cab home later. It's mm-hmm. fine. And Mel pays the server and's like, don't let him get behind the wheel of a car, which no server would ever take that responsibility on because that brings the liability back onto you. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. That's a messed up thing you did, Mel. And I feel like I probably care because I've been in the restaurant industry and they like hammer that stuff home to you, but mm. whatever. But David does get home. He's incredibly hungover the next day, which probably doesn't help that his grandma is like uh your dad had a meeting this morning with a lawyer Mm -hmm. but he's doing it because he loves you that's just what dads do and i don't fully buy that either no like i don't think what like i don't think mel's a bad person but we've seen mel make some questionable choices in the past i mean he cheated on jackie with a much younger receptionist or sorry hygienist that's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, we've seen him resort to the court or a lawyer when it comes to custody of Aaron. Like, we've seen him make some questionable de- decisions, and I wouldn't say any of them were in the name of love. You know, so including this one, I'm like, no, no. At this point, it sounds a little bit more controlling mm-hmm. than anything else. So, I, I like, I understand your point, Grandma, but don't think the intention is there. Yeah, I mean, she – Tells a whole story about how, like, this is just what dads do. Like, Grandpa never let your dad drive the car he just gave you. And I don't know. I know it was supposed to, like, give David another perspective and everything. But, I mean, I think the most important thing in here is that Grandma is also, like, stop drinking so much. 100%. Yep. That was the takeaway for me. Yeah. And then Mel comes home. He says he's calling off the legal proceedings, which he, like, literally barely got started. He just threatened them. I don't think anything ever actually happened. Mm -hmm. But 
he says, like, look, I still think it's a mistake. I don't think you should just, like, get $250,000, but it's what your grandfather wanted. So, like, okay. Which And then we get, that, like, a really – yeah, go ahead. That is a mature take on this. Yeah. I will give him that. No, agreed, because that's the thing is, like, you can disagree with something without sabotaging. I, like, I feel like that's an obvious statement, but apparently not. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. But then it gets a little too warm and fuzzy for me with the tone of the show, because it's like David just, like, want to take a drive and, like, tosses <laughs> them the keys. And it's like, sure, son. You know, I, I was like, no. And the music is swelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was a lot. And yeah. like yeah, with the show that we're watching, I'm like, I don't trust this. Yeah. I, I like don't for know all we know, Mel could have lied about canceling the legal proceedings, right? Like Yeah. We just okay. we can't know yet. And the fact that it just like, yeah, ended all wrapped up in a bow, like honestly, that doesn't really hit for me anymore. Mm mm. Like, not with this show. No, definitely not with this show. Like, I have to come into it knowing everything is going to get wrapped up into a bow and being, like, good with that. Like, yeah. romance novels. Bridgerton. Sure. I mean, we live in such a – granted, this is this could probably because be because of the state of television now where it's, like, we – almost like as fans have to learn to trust no one because cliffhangers could happen not just at season finales anymore and not just at mid season finales, but like any episode Um, and your show could be threatened to be canceled at any point in time, despite viewership, despite much anyway, can't go down that (laughs) rabbit hole, but yeah, it's like, I just don't trust that everything is just going to be all hunky dory. Like this isn't a sitcom. This isn't, I mean, this isn't even, I'm trying to think of a drama, TV drama that, like, is more of that sitcom feel um, that's an hour long. Uh, I can't even think of one. Yeah, I'm not Because the whole point of many. a drama is to, like, be dramatic and not necessarily wrap everything up in one tight, yeah. know, perfect bow. Yeah, so, like... Yeah, this wrapped up David and Mel in this little bow, and I'm sus because I'm like, he still has a really nice car, a drinking problem, and $250,000. Like, exactly. Is he Dylan McKay part two? Remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, I think we covered everything. I think everybody stayed apart, so it was really hard to get through the entire episode, but I think we got them all. Mm-hmm. So do you have a quote of the week? Oh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious which one it is. Okay, well, I'll be honest. I have two. I take that back. It was one we talked about, one we didn't talk about. Well, I think I went more of a Mary route this week in writing down my quotes. Okay. Not as funny as Mary because I never could be. But the first quote I wrote down was Steve on the dock when he first sees that Claire's joined the crew. And he's like, well, maybe I'll join crew. And he just goes, I'll be back. (laughs) just made me think of the terminator but also like let me just go read a crew for dummies real quick and then i'll be back to you oh you know what one thing we didn't talk about was sorry going back through my notes again we didn't talk about mark asking kelly about sex oh yeah i just kind of glossed over that i mean i i only care because like 
he makes comments about her having sex, like when was the last time you did it? Are you any anticipated change in status? But then he definitely tries to ask her if she ever masturbates and she says no. And I was just like, girl, you got to get over that. Also, I call bullshit, even if she's absolutely, (laughs) absolutely bullshit. That's the only thing I want to talk about. But it matches the, the time. I mean, it's still not necessarily as societally okay for mm-hmm. women to enjoy sex for pleasure and and not just sex with other people like I, anyway that could be a different soapbox that's why i wanted to leave yeah. it where it was <laughs> oh but yeah the only other quote i wrote down other than those was i'm brandon walsh and i'm not wearing any pants i really didn't write down a lot of quotes i didn't either that's why this one was really easy to pick out I wrote down a few this time. Um, first was Tracy telling Brandon, I promise to – oh, God. I promise to disagree with everything you say. And I feel like he's just like, damn it, you're too much like Susan. I can't date you. I'm not ready. Yeah, agreed. Kelly, when Steve comes up to him um, – or sorry, when Steve comes up to her just being like, what's the matter, Boobala? Because she said it in such a cute voice. Um, When Nat finds out that Kelly asked Val to meet her at the peach pit and he says, should I hide the breakables? Mm -hmm. Also at the peach pit, Val meeting up with Kelly saying, so what did I do wrong now? (laughs) Steve saying, thanks for the tip, dick. (laughs) Just the tip? Just the tip. (laughs) Just the tip. <laughs> um, Val to Kelly. I can't get rid of you, can I? And. Oh, gosh. Steve and Claire. I don't know why I wrote this down, but. Come on, Arnold. Throw me a bone. Tell me you miss me. Why don't you? And she just says, how can I miss you when you follow me for weeks? And I think that's probably it. Yeah, that's it. Well, good news. Each of you got one. Yay! (laughs) So the first one was, that's right, I'm Brandon Walsh and I'm not wearing any pants. Because obviously, like, yeah, obviously. And yeah, Mary, you got my other one, which I wasn't sure if anybody was going to. When uh, Steve walks up to Kelly and (laughs) he's all like down or whatever. And she's just like, what's up, (laughs) Boobala? It was just so random <laughs> but adorable nonetheless What's those are always Bubula? my favorite i love when they just have like these random things that they say to each other mm-hmm. all right mary do you have a quarter of the week or a moment of the week um i really don't but i will answer your question as to who david would probably be friends or romance in stardew valley And I really do think that he would be good friends with Sam because Sam has a band and David would be like, let me do your music videos and would appreciate that Sam wants his opinion on stuff because that's how relationships work in this game. Um, I really don't know who to ship him with, honestly, because I think Abigail would kick his ass. I don't think he would be into Emily. He would be into Haley, but I think she would emotionally destroy him. Leo wouldn't put up with his shit. Neither would Maru. And I feel like he would, that just leaves Penny and 
she kind of would work with anyone as long as he can be like emotionally available but who knows i feel like that kind of fits with the show where like he's gonna end up with donna who as we've seen can pretty much work with anybody as long as they're emotionally available yeah so okay what's next week's episode caitlin Next week, we have Season 7, Episode 9, Loser Take All. So we're going to get the race. We're going to get the regatta. I don't know. I will say, this episode, this week's episode is rated higher on IMDb, and next week's is 0.2 points lower. But again, like like this whole season is very, in that 6th range, so it's you know, nothing too wild, except I think for the finale, which is finale is no, it's even 6.8. So it's we're at a solid 6.4 right now. Next week is 6.2. So it's going to be the regatta. (laughs) (laughs) We will find out. Do you have a guess, Mary? With loser take all, I mean, it's got to be Steve because that's literally just sums up his entire character. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping Val somehow gets in trouble for lying but gets to keep her cash. I don't know. I really hope Val gets to keep her cash just because, like, I don't care for Kenny. Yeah, all I care about is her keeping the pee pad. And so if the hundred grand helps her do that. Yeah, kind of exactly. That's- yeah. That's what I care about. Val just did all of this to try and save her business. So I hope she gets to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we'll find out what season seven, episode nine is about next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. You can also shoot us over an email. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns at back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate that. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I've got to go on a hike in jeans. I got to go learn how to row in like a week. I got to hide the breakables. Bye. Bye. See ya.